This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Austin here. Today we're going to read another chapter, Bad Dad by David Williams. Chapter 31. Demolition Derby. Here, mate, cried Dad. Who's this? The man pulled off his wooden leg and passed it to the boy. One. As quickly as he could, the boy hooked his foot into the elastic strap at the top. Right, charge, announced Sergeant Scoff. He'd been running down the steps, waving his truncheon, a one-man crusade. The boy put his foot down on the wooden leg, which pressed the accelerator pedal. The mini roared forward with its front wheels off the ground. The car mounted the bonnet of one of the police cars. The mini crushed the bonnet. Boom! The back wheels of the mini rolled over the police car's windscreen. Smash! Spin the wheel left, shouted Dad. Frank did what his father said, and the car started driving over to the next police car in a circle. Now police officers leaped out of their cars just in time. Now everyone, lean forward, shouted Dad. And all three men in the back threw their weight forwards. Then the mini... Land down on four wheels. And Frank drove over the top of the next police car. And the next. And the next. As his mini zoomed over them, it left a trail of destruction. The glass and all of the windscreens exploded as the mini's wheels rolled over the cars. Boom, boom, boom. The weight of Queenie crushed the police car's roofs. Frank had only been only once been in trouble at school for sneezing loudly in class. Now he was his own demolition derby. Scoff looked on in horror as a whole fleet of police cars were turned into a scrap metal. As soon as Frank had completed his lap, his dad shouted. Hard right! The mini rolled down the back of the police car and landed on the ground with a loud pow. Sparks flew as the bumper scraped the tarmac. <laughs> then the mini flew down the open road. <laughs> Woohoo! screamed the boy. Frank had never, to his knowledge, screamed woohoo before. But this seemed like the perfect time. Dad looked on his speedometer, was nudging out of its range. The car was going well over a hundred miles an hour. Overhead, the police helicopter was giving chase. They're not out of the woods yet, Dad said. Let me take over now, mate. I can outsmart that chopper. Of course, Dad. The boy tried to move the wooden leg over to the brake pedal, but had come jammed to the accelerator. Dad! What, mate? I can't stop the car! 
Bye, guys. Thank you for listening today. Hey guys, it's Lily and today we'll be reading The Bad Guys Episode 3, Chapter 5. Surprise, surprise. Oh man, there are guards everywhere. How are we ever going to find them? Hey look, down there, it's Shark. No one ties up my, my sheet cloth and gets away with it. Let's cut that rope right now. Nibble, nibble, nibble. Mr. Prana, yeah? Yeah, kid, what is... What is it? Nibble, nibble. I know this sounds crazy, but I really do think I saw a ninja. Oh, man, you must have hit your head. Bad. Um, I know. There's no such thing as ninjas. They only exist in fairy stories like Snow White and the Seven Surami. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Freeze. Oh, no. Shark! I'm sorry they called us Piranha. Is that you? Oh yes, I forgot to mention your silly little friends thought they could sneak in here and rescue you. Isn't that adorable? It seems that none of you fully understand how much danger you're in. Oh well, I guess I'll just unleash the end of the world as we know it. If you don't mind me saying, you seem like a very troubled guinea pig. You have no idea. Now let's get this party started. Piranha, run. You're not going anywhere. Hmm, sorry gentlemen, but I think you might be wrong about that one. What? What did I tell you? Don't move. Slice. He cut the rope. Splat, splurt, squeak, donk. Hey man, thanks, you broke my fall. Okay, does any so, does someone want to tell me what's going on here? Certainly, Mr. Wolf. Legs, you're alive! Fling, fling. So tell me, what would you like to know? Thank you. Pussycat went to sea in a beautiful pea green boat. They took some honey and plenty of money wrapped up in a five pound note. The owl looked up to the stars above and sang to a small guitar. Oh, lovely pussy, oh pussy, my love, what a beautiful pussy you are! You are, you are. What a beautiful pussy you are. Pussy said to the owl, you elegant fowl, how charmingly sweet you sing. Oh, let us be married too long, we have tarried. 
but what shall we do for a ring? They sailed away for a year and a day to the land where the bong tree grows. And there in a wood, a piggy wig stood with a ring at the end of his nose, his nose, his nose, with a ring at the end of his nose. Dear pig, are you willing to sell for one shilling your ring? Said the piggy, I will. So they took it away and were married next day by the turkey that lived on the hill. They dined on mince and slices of quince, which they ate with a runcible spoon. And hand in hand, on the edge of the sand, they danced by the light of the moon. The moon, the moon. They danced by the light of the moon. through the looking glass. The white kitten had nothing to do with it. It was the black kitten's fault entirely. The white kitten had been having its face washed by the old cat, but the black kitten had been stopped from tangling up Alice's knitting and patting at the chessman with its paw, and when Alice held it up to the looking glass so that it should see how sulky it looked, the glass suddenly began to get all soft like gauze. And somehow, Alice herself was up on the mantelpiece and came lightly down into the looking-glass room where everything was the wrong way round and the chessmen were walking about and talking. So Alice went out into the garden and up the hill and at the top of it, she found the red chess queen. Where do you come from? Open your mouth a little wider when you speak and always say, Your Majesty. I only wanted to see the country, Your Majesty. I declare it's just like a large chessboard with the tiny brooks and the little green hedges and the ground all in squares and the men moving about. How I wish I was one of them. That's easily managed. You could be the White Queen's pawn if you liked. You're on the second square already. When you're on the eighth square, you'll be a queen. And with that she went off and Alice soon moved through to the fourth square which belonged to Tweedledum and Tweedledee two fat little brothers with their names marked on their collars. Would you tell me, please, the best way out of the wood? Do you like poetry? Uh, yes, some poetry. Which is the best what way... What shall I repeat to her? The walrus and the carpenter is the longest. The sun was shining... If it's very long, would you tell me first... The sun was shining on the sea... Shining with all his might... He did his very best to make... The billows smooth and bright... And this was odd because it was the middle of the night. The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. They wept like anything to see such quantities of sand. If this were only cleared away, they said it would be grand. Oh, 
oysters, come and walk with us. The walrus did beseech a pleasant walk, a pleasant talk along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. Then four young oysters hurried up, all eager for the treat. Their coats were brushed, their faces washed, their shoes were clean and neat. And this was odd, because, you know, they hadn't any feet. Then four more oysters followed them, and yet another four. And thick and fast they came at last, and more and more and more. All hopping through the frothy waves, and scrambling to the shore. Time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships. And sealing wax of cabbages and king. And why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. A loaf of bread, the walrus said, is what we chiefly need. Pepper and vinegar besides are very good indeed. Now, now if you're ready, ready oysters, dear. dear we can begin to feed. Oh, not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness, that would be a dismal thing to do. The night is fine, the walrus said. Do you admire the view? It seems a shame, the walrus said, to play them such a trick. After we brought them out so far and made them trot so quick. The carpenter said nothing but, the butter's spread too thick. I weep for you, the walrus said, I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears he sorted out. Those of the largest size Holding his pocket handkerchief Before his streaming eyes Oh, oysters, said the carpenter You've had a pleasant run Shall we be trotting home again? But answer came there none But answer came there none And this was scarcely odd Because They'd eaten everything one. No sooner was the song finished than the brothers began to quarrel, and Alice was thankful when a monstrous crow flew by and frightened them into running away. She couldn't blame them. Its wings made quite a hurricane. Somebody's shawl is being blown away. As she caught it, the White Queen came running after it and Alice gave it back to her. She's dreadfully untidy and every single thing is crooked. May I put your shawl straight for you? I don't know what's the matter with it. It's out of temper, I think. I've pinned it here and I've pinned it there, but there's no pleasing it. What do you want to buy? Alice was startled. They'd crossed into the fifth square as they talked and the White Queen had suddenly turned into an old sheep in spectacles. She was sitting behind the counter of a little shop knitting, and the shelves behind her had dolls on them and eggs and workboxes. Alice decided to buy an egg, put the money on the counter and held out her hand. I never put things into people's hands. 
You must get it for yourself. But when Alice went to the shelf, the, the egg seemed to get further and further away. And, and as she followed it, she crossed a little brook, which was somehow flowing through the shop, and at once she saw that the egg had grown into Humpty Dumpty, sitting on a wall. But he was so argumentative that she soon got tired of talking to him and wandered on until she found the White King talking to one of his messengers, Hare. What's happened in the town? Oh, whisper it. They're at it again! Do you call that whispering? If you do such a thing again, I'll have you buttered. Who are at it again? Why, the lion and the unicorn. Let's run and see them. So they trotted on until they came into sight of a large crowd in the middle of which the lion and the unicorn were fighting. The lion and the unicorn were fighting for the crowd. The lion beat the unicorn all round the town. Some gave them white bread and some gave them brown. Some gave them plum cake and dropped them out of town. was handed round and Alice was told to cut a great plum cake. Just then the unicorn sauntered by and stared at her. <laughs> what is this? This is a child. Oh, I always thought they were fabulous monsters. <laughs> well, hand round the plum cake, monster. <laughs> I can't. I cut several slices, but they always join on again. <laughs> you don't know how to manage looking glass cakes. Hand it round first and cut it afterwards. <laughs> he was right. But before the cake was eaten, the drums began to roll so loudly that Alice felt quite deafened and sprang across the little brook in her terror. If that doesn't drum them out of town, nothing ever will. Oh, oh it was a glorious victory. Oh, you must be the White Knight. May I help you off with your helmet? Mm? Oh, thank you. I'd be glad to get rid of it. I do like him. He has such a gentle face, but his armor fits him very badly. Why has your horse got beehives and carrots and fire irons and anklets hanging on it? What are the anklets for? To guard against the bites of sharks. It's an invention of my own. But you look sad. Let me sing you a song to comfort you. Is it very long? It's long, but it's very, very beautiful. Everyone who hears me sing it... Either it brings tears into their eyes, or, or else... Or else what? Or else it doesn't, you know. I'll tell thee everything I can. There's little to relate. I saw an aged, aged man as sitting on a gate. He said I hunt for haddock's eyes amongst the heather bright. I work them into waistcoat buttons in the silent night. 
And that's the way he gave a wink in which I get my wealth. And very gladly will I drink your honor's noble health. I thanked him much for telling me the way he got his wealth, but chiefly for his wish that he might drink my noble health. And now if ever by chance I put my finger into glue, or madly squeeze a right-hand foot into a left-hand shoe, or if I drop upon my toe a very heavy weight, I weep, for it reminds me so of that old man I used to know, whose look was mild, whose speech was slow, whose hair was whiter than the snow, whose face was very like a crow, with eyes like cinders all aglow, who seemed distracted with his woe, and rocked his body to and fro, and muttered mumblingly and low. As if his mouth were full of dough Who snorted like a buffalo That summer evening long ago A sitting on a gate Well... I must turn now. You've only a few yards to go, and you'll be a queen. Thank you so much for coming so far, and for the song. I liked it very much. Mm, you didn't cry as much as I thought you would, he said, and off he rode. Alice waved till he was out of sight. Then she ran down to the brook, bounded across, and at once felt something heavy on her head. It was a golden crown, and she was standing in front of an arched doorway over which were the words, Queen Alice. The door was flung open, and she walked up a large hall filled with guests, animals, birds, and, and even a few flowers. There were three chairs at the head of the table. The red and white queens had taken two of them, and Alice sat down in the middle. You've missed the soup and fish. Let me introduce you to the joint. Alice, mutton. Mutton, Alice. Now, we'll drink your health. Queen Alice's health. To the looking-glass world It was Alice that said I've a scepter in hand I've a crown on my head Let the looking-glass creatures Whatever they be Come and dine with the red queen The white queen and me Then fill up the glasses With treacle and ink Or anything else that is pleasant to drink Mix sand with the cider and wool with the wine And welcome Queen Alice with ninety times nine With ninety times nine With ninety times nine And welcome Queen Alice with ninety times nine I rise to return thanks Take care, something's going to happen It did The candles grew up to the ceiling like beds of rushes with fireworks at the top the leg of mutton sat in the queen's chair, the soup ladle walked up the table, and the red queen suddenly dwindled down to the size of a little doll, running round merrily after her own shawl, which trailed behind her. Alice pounced on her. As for you, I'll shake you into a kitten, that I will. And she shook her. The red queen's face grew very small, and her eyes got large and green, and still as Alice went on shaking her, she kept on growing shorter and fatter, 
and softer and rounder, and it, it, it really was a kitten after all. This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.